name of the Lord. We are so glad you're here. Um, if I haven't had a chance to meet you or greet you, I'm a lead pastor, Ralph Lowe. And uh, next week I will be attending an international conference in Portland, Oregon uh, through Ministers Fellowship International. So Pastor Tony will be in charge. He will solve every problem you have next week. And so just inundate him with calls because he can handle it. And uh, I don't know if he hears that there's no monitors on the stage, but I was trying to get him before he sat down and heard what I just said. So anyway, bless you. Be in prayer that I hear from the Lord and I don't hear from me or a bunch of great ideas that aren't really what God wants to apply here. The joke is that every time a pastor goes to a conference, he comes out and tries the new thing on the people. And uh, I want to hear what the Holy Spirit, I want to get the, all the fish and throw out some bones and figure out what God's saying to us. He says, let him who has ears to hear, hear what the Spirit's saying basically to the local church. Now it's amazing how God talks universally through the body of Christ. And I'm guessing I'm going to hear some things that we've heard preached here by some others. And I'm going to go, that's what God's telling us. I'm, I'm betting that's going to happen. But uh, be in prayer that I hear the Lord's heart and voice and that I learn things. I come back so smart. All right. Would you turn with me this morning to the book of Luke, chapter 8. We've been on a series, People. It's going to be tough to get off of this series because this is God's heart. I mean, he, he, God is love. A love for what? His creation? Yes. A love for trees? Yes. A love for the lake? Yes. He loves everything he's made. But God so loved the world that he gave his best for it. World as in the world's people. And so if you look at God and you cut him open, he just bleeds people. Um, if he bled. <laughs> Luke 8, 4 through 9. I want to set this story up, give you the context of what's taking place here. Uh, there are three Gospels in the Bible, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that all chronicle this story very similar, but they add a few little nuances. When you look at all three Gospels, you, you realize that Jesus is getting ready to speak, and he's on the, uh, the shore of Galilee, I believe. And people are coming to him, and in, in, in all three accounts, it says a great multitude. Uh, and in Matthew, it says they're coming from every city around. And the crowd gets so great that he has to get in a boat, and he rows out a little ways, and he's seated, and they're standing so they could see. And imagine being somebody. Now, I've been to Israel now, so I really know a lot about Israel. <laughs> I know some. I, I was amazed at the distance between towns and that nobody had a moped, car, bicycle. So these people that came from all the cities around were coming from, uh, closest one would be four miles away. Maybe there was one on the shore that had the boat. He probably was close to a coastal city, but those cities were just towns. People were coming from 20, 60, 80 miles away on their horses, their donkeys, by foot. How long would that take them? And what was in their mind way back when they were contemplating shutting down their business or their farm, talking to their spouse, their family members, getting people to babysit, or they taking all the kids with them? But this is a big deal. We, we kind of say, well, we came to church today, and we did, and it's awesome, and some of you will get the longest drive award. And it isn't easy to always get to church. And you mothers, bless you. Bless you, bless you, and you fathers. But these people took days to arrive for one purpose. They'd heard about Jesus. 
And so they're finally gathered together, and he shows up, and they all gather. And they're standing, and you can just hear the crowd just go, shut up, everybody be quiet. I, I didn't come here to hear you talk. I want to hear, you know, they're just, they're getting everybody, they're getting each other quiet. Everybody's calming down, and they've come for this guy, Jesus. And you could feel him just leaning in with a lot of investment here. <laughs> they've come a long ways. And the first words out of his mouth in the book of Luke, as he rose out and he gets in position and they turn the boat, he says this, verse 1, soon afterwards he went through the cities and villages proclaiming, we're going now to verse 4, and when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town, I guess the book of Luke says town after town came to him, he said in a parable, so the first words out of his mouth, a sower, a farmer, went out into a field and he planted his crops. Okay. And the seed fell everywhere. Some fell on the, well, let me just read what he says. A sower went out to sow his seed and as he sowed some fell, some of the seed fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. You're taking notes. So Jesus wants us to be good farmers and not waste the seed. Don't ever throw seed on the path. When you're walking on the path, watch out for the seeds. What is he saying? Well, of course, the disciples had been with him for quite some time, and they had a lot of insight, and they knew how to find out what it meant. They said to Jesus, what did you mean by that? And when the disciples ask him, what does this parable mean? The congregation at Legacy and Meridian bowed to pray. All right, here we go. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you for the way you speak to our hearts. You don't speak like anybody or anything else. You are just off the chart, God, in how you speak to us. The way you, Jesus, you talk to us just touches our head and our heart but in a way that's so unique. I pray today, Jesus, that your Holy Spirit just goes throughout every person here and drops a special seed message into their heart in Jesus' name. Everybody said? God's just big enough to do the miracle. Jesus can help each of you hear a special message today for you that will touch your heart where you live. But continuing on, I wanna pick it up in verse 11. The disciple says, what does this mean? Now the parable is this, Jesus said, the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and not be saved. Next slide, did I have it up there or did I stop there? 
And then Jesus goes on, and I was supposed to put this slide up. Jesus goes on and says, the ones along the path are those who have heard, yeah? So that they may not believe. And then verse 13, and the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, time of hardship, when life gets hot, they fall away. You see why out of the worship team came today, out of my heart is coming today, why we need a banner song that says, in the presence of my enemies, I will sing hallelujah. When life gets hot, I will sing hallelujah. And the word to us was, that's part of our anchor of our soul. Because when the winds and waves of life begin to beat us and it gets hard, it wants to just pull your roots right out of the ground, doesn't it? I didn't, it, it hits you so down deep, and we're going to get to more of that. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. And 14, and as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word of God, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. Now, I believe there's at least four sermons there. Anybody else ever teach and say, yeah, there's a lot there. And so I just want today to focus on the very first type of soil. Now, one of the awesome things about Jesus that we need to remember is that he's not just trying to teach us theology or a good principle or or religion. Jesus' whole intent and purpose, God so loved the world that he sent Jesus to the world that the world might be saved and reconciled to God's heart. Jesus connecting to people is this story. If you heard it for the first time and you're hearing just talk about the first part of the parable where there's no explanation, if you just said in your head, okay, how does this connect Jesus to people? It starts to get you in the right mindset because everything he says isn't about farms. It's not about trees. It's not about figs. It's not about water, fire. It's all about explaining to people by using these analogies how to more relate to God and how to connect to Jesus. While he's teaching, he's connecting them. And I believe like many of Jesus' stories, that his goal is to connect you to him through this story. And he always seems to do it in many cases, many times, not every time, but there's always a compare and a contrast. You know, compare yourself to each of these soils. Then contrast yourself to that soil and compare yourself to this. The beautiful part of this story is um, the Calvinist belief would be that... Um, you're predetermined to serve God. And, and, and they would look at this like, you don't have a choice. People don't have a choice. God makes one of four types of people. Hard-hearted, shallow, people that are involved in cares, riches, and pleasures. And then there's us good people who get called to Jesus. Well, I've got to tell you, just so you know, on a theological basis, I'm a Wesleyan. Wesleyan believes that Jesus said, I desire that none should perish and everybody gets a shot. 
That's just where I land. You don't have to land there. You can be a Calvinist or a Wesleyan. In fact, the world, Christianity, can really go to civil war over those if they don't get Jesus in their heart. By the way, my middle name's Wesley, so I have no choice. All right. I was named after my father, who was a Wesley, and my grandpa, who was a Wesley. So we were Wesleyans way back. And that's literally why they called us Wesley. If the truth of the Bible hit me hard enough, though, I would change my middle name to Calvin. But not yet. So I believe Jesus is laying down a real challenge and a charge to each of us. What kind of soil do you want your heart to be? You get to choose. Let me tell you the results of this kind of heart, this kind of heart, this kind of heart, and this kind of heart. And, and Jesus doesn't try to play games and say, and you don't know which one, do you? It's pretty clear, isn't it, which soil he wants and desires for you to choose. Now, we're going to have four Sundays on this parable. Because each of these soils, I, I almost preach there on one of the soils that we're not ready to get to yet. But each of these messages is to help encourage, excite, drive our hearts to the good soil. The other thing I want you to know about this parable is I'm not so sure that I haven't been all four of these soils even while I've been a pastor. There's times I'm hard-hearted. There's times I'm really shallow in the way I serve God. As long as God blesses me, I love him. I've been there as an adult. All sorts of things. And we'll get into those. Uh, I don't know if I can brag about being good soil. I'd love to. There's been some good soil times in my life. I want to get better. I, I, I think maybe I'm a 30-fold right now, and God says, I'm pushing for 60 in you. <laughs> Pushing for a hundredfold in you. And what I realize as the church continues to grow, I'm very aware I have to grow in my heart. For us to produce more and more fruit, my capacity has to expand. Else I'll put a slowdown to everything and I'll finally stop it. Inadvertently, I will shut it down if I don't have a wineskin that expands with this new wine. For we're in a revival. We're in a growth of God. It's so exciting. Oh, just continue to magnify the Lord with me over all that. Uh, by the way, I have noticed that we keep growing despite all my failures. Aren't you excited about that? It's like, man, God, I don't know about our pastor, but you just keep rocking, Jesus. And, you know, and I, I love that about the Lord. It really took a lot of pressure off me when I found out I didn't have to be perfect for Jesus to do something around here. It's so exciting. I was just relieved. And now I don't even try anymore. No, not kidding. Just kidding. All right. In each of these four stories, there's going to be a setting, there's going to be a response, and there's going to be a problem or a disruptor. In this story, the setting is in our heart that our life and our journey is hardened and the seed gets trampled on. So our heart is hard, and it's hard for a number of reasons in people's lives. And like I said, there's been times in my life it was very hard. Susie went through something in Kellogg that hardened my heart. Now let me rephrase that. I chose to respond by getting hard. 
And then when God came through and did his thing, I melted, asked forgiveness, and began to forgive me and soften my heart again. But the setting is that we're this narrow path person is on soil that's very hard. Uh, in those days, they didn't have necessarily surveyors that went out with the machinery and the GPS. They didn't have that. And a lot of times farms were separated by rocks or a road or a river. And to get to town, if you owned all this and town's there, you just walk through the field. You, you know, there was a story where Jesus' disciples were just walking through a wheat field, eating the wheat on the Sabbath. Oh, my goodness, they were harvesting on the Sabbath. But they were walking right through the field. It's not like today where you have nice roads and everything's square. And these paths would weave through the, the crop. And it became the commonplace for people to walk, so the path got hard. And so, you, th you know, when you look at this story, you think, what a wasteful farmer. He's just throwing it all over the place. Well, the path was integrated into the field. And it might have even been kind of the same color. And so it would land on the path. The person who's in a hard place, in the place of the hard path, when God begins to speak to you and your heart is hard, you block God out. You, you know, God starts to lean into you and you go, ah. Anybody ever seen a kid do that? Okay, I want you to take out the God. Now, I want you to be nice to your brother. You need to love more. You know. Susie did that for me when we were going to this. I, this is what I see when I was, I was, and I just cracked me up. Be in prayer for her. She's, she's uh, dealing with some health issues that, you know, can feel like you're not winning the battle, but we are. And I just want to tell you that. When I say pray for Susie, it's not because she's going downhill. She's going uphill. And uh, she just gets tired every now and then, has to stop, sit on a rock. All right. So we can shut God out and don't want to hear him. Now, that, that hard heart um, can also be because we don't understand God. You know, if we hurt him, we understand. And we're afraid of what we're going to understand. But the reality is you really don't understand what God's getting ready to say or how he feels about it. You just assume and so you shut your ears because you don't understand what he's really attempting to do. And then the enemy comes along and snatches whatever has ever made it into your heart. He takes away the word from our hearts. And it says why. He doesn't want you to have an abundant life. He didn't want you to believe and be saved because it's the most glorious thing that could ever happen to any human being on the planet. And all the people that have experienced Jesus say, amen. Peter says this thing is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Well, there are two types of hard soil in this story. The one, as I'm turning around to the monitor, we have a new one here. The hard-hearted person, we can harden our own heart. We take a hard stand and we say, I'm the boss of me. I don't want to hear from anybody else. Hmm. Don't tell me any truth, any fact. My mind's made up. And there's an arrogance in it. There's a pride in it. There could be a fear in it. There's a control issue in it. There's all kinds of reasons 
that we say in their, our hearts, now you don't say it out loud because it sounds bad, but the reality is I'm the boss of me and I'm driving this rig. My hands are firmly on my wheel of my life and Jesus starts to reach across and I slap his hand down and I get out of here. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear your opinion. I don't want to hear anybody. I'm the boss of me. And that will harden your heart where it's very easy for the enemy to steal from you. The next type of heart, if you guys could go on, is that life gets really hard. Now, these things can happen all in a continuum. They can happen together. They can happen separately. The bottom line is it's not unusual for all of us to experience a hardness in our life where we really don't want to hear from the Lord. The, the, I'm, the boss of me is I don't want to hear anybody to tell me what my career or my job should be. I'm going to make that up on my own. I'm going to marry who I want when I want. And that's a harder-hearted person than says, Jesus, I'll do anything you want me to do. And your heart's like clay and God can just mold you. But this heart can be hardened because life can be hard. It was so awesome that Sophia brought up that you can be a mother and hear the most awful news. And then you heard the Jesus in her saying, fight back, Sophia. Just fight against that. Don't let this harden your heart to me. Or harden your heart to your life. Or harden your heart to your calling in God. Harden your heart to loving your husband. Harden your heart. It just life. There's a number of stories of marriages that are doing great till the child goes through a tragedy or a trauma. And it stresses the whole marriage. And both people begin to get hard and they, their marriage breaks up because of the hardness of life. And boy, I get it. I was there with Susie. I was there. I mean, she got hurt being a godly woman helping an unwed mother. And that injury led to another injury, led to another injury, and it was very hard on us. It was very hard on her. And it was just devastating me. And my comment to God was, this is how you reward people that serve you? I wonder where that little bird came from. I wonder if that little bird coming onto my hard path, I wonder where that one came from, right? It makes a lot of sense to you, boy. And he's clever. He's crafty. You notice it says birds. Aren't birds cute? They're pretty, and they just land on you, and they just steal your seat. And that one got me. I just, I didn't want to hear God because of that. Stealing of God in my heart. If you loved me, God, you'd never let this happen to me. Now listen, I'm saying these voices that have come to me. I'm not condemning you. I'm saying Jesus told this story to this great multitude because it applied to all of them. Your heart gets trampled by circumstances or others. And how do you resist getting hard? Your dad is an abuser. Your boss is a cheater. You know? There's nepotism at work. Uh, the guy that hits you drives off. Your wife leaves you. Kids get sick. I mean, it goes on and on how life can be hard. And we just need a banner that says, raise a hallelujah. In the presence of my enemies. And God starts to water that hard spot. And it still hurts, but there's water coming in. There's freshness coming in. It's, it drives away that other voice. Praise the hallelujah. The presence of my enemies. 
And God will give you strategies to drive back those birds that want to land in your hair. And don't feel guilty when a bird flies over. Just feel guilty when you let him build a nest there. Birds will fly over. Those thoughts will go through you. Don't beat yourself up. Pastors, disciples, apostles, they all fought them. Hmm. The whole thing is about Jesus connecting to people and being anchored in their heart and hanging on to them for dear life and them hanging on to him for dear life. This whole story is about connecting with Jesus and not letting go. And recognizing when the voices are in your head making you harder and harder, less receptive to hear loving counsel. I mean, I've told people, you know how much God loves you? And they don't like hearing that. Susie was that way. I remember telling her she'd been abused in a previous relationship. And every now and then she'd call me by that guy's name. You know how that goes? You know? We all can relate to that to some level. Uh, except I could never get a girlfriend. I had no names in my head. But <coughs> so it was, it was a little lopsided as far as I was concerned. come home from school. I told you that. I'm not going to tell you jokes. All right. <laughs> and I would say to Susie, I love you. And she goes, yeah, right. See, her previous relationship had hardened her heart to men, to relationships. I mean, here she had the most perfect guy in all the world right there in front of her. <laughs> Jesus is working on my lying spirit. But anyway, <laughs> and it hurt me. Well, what does Jesus feel like when he says, I love you? Yeah, right. La, 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 la. And he's not even done saying how he loves you. I love, and he begins to try to affirm you and love on you with words, with service, with all your love languages. God knows your love language. He's just going to lavish on you his love, and you don't. Ah, nah, 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 nah. And you miss it. One day, I remember right where I was at and right where Susie's at, she's heading upstairs. And I said, hey, baby, I, sweetheart, I love you so much. Yeah, right. And she turned to walk away. And the Lord says, that man would die for you. And it flipped her. Now, I had no idea. I was just praying, Jesus, listen, Jesus, you know, God. And God fights. What does that song say? God fights my battles? God fights my battles. And he did. He fought my battle there, but he also blessed Susie because now she received the love that was due her. And you don't want to listen to Jesus, but I want you to hear from Pastor Ralph. He would die for you. And he proved it. Now, I've never been tested to run out in front of a train for Susie, but Jesus did. He's already proved it by his own blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus pouring out over you. This man would die and has died. If you were the only person on the planet, Jesus would have given his life for you. And we shut our ears. This is part of what the Bible says in, in, in one of the translations. And they don't understand. They don't hear and they don't understand. You know what we don't understand? Is how much Jesus loves us. Yeah. 
and he has no, uh, listen to me, he has no ulterior motive to make your life rotten or sad or very serious or very religious or contemplating your navel up in the mountains while everybody else has a car. Jesus said the enemy, the enemy wants to whisper in your ear, using my voice, using your friend's voice, using the pastor's voice, using the people's voice. And the enemy doesn't use his own voice, by the way. He, he, he crouches himself in a pretty little cute bird, a little bluebird. And he says to you, he wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. And everything he says to you is based on that. But I come to give you life and that more, what? Abundant life. This is his promise. This is his agenda. He was driven out of heaven with a love for you that was so unselfish and so unmotivated to say, I'm going to go down there and get all those people to serve me. Jesus literally said, I did not come here to be served. I came here to serve you. And why would we go, nah, 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 to that guy? But our hearts get hard. Here this morning, this man who wants to speak to you today has died for you, literally to save your life. The enemy doesn't want you to believe because then you'll get saved. He wants you hard. He wants you to push God back because if you hear the lover of your soul talking to you, you'll believe and be saved. I serve Jesus because it's truth. He's not a figment of my imagination. This thing I feel in a tangible way that cuts into my heart and loves on me and ministers to me is truth. I don't serve Jesus out of just faith. I'm supposed to, but he's done so much for me that's true, it's almost like I don't have to have a ton of faith to believe in the chair you're sitting in or the shirt I'm wearing. And he clothes me with his garments. He clothes me with his arms. I, I heard a phrase in my head this morning that this morning Jesus has given out heart hugs. If you came here today, step up. God's been waiting to hug your heart. Well, what's he going to do to me? Uh, leave a big gooey deposit of love all over you. And, and then what? And then he does say do that to other people, but it, it you know, <laughs> pretty simple. God is love and the enemy wants to steal that now here's the kicker to this story as i as i close that means i got 20 more minutes okay now not true not true i'm going to really try to be good to my word here's the kicker to the story that god woke me up today real early with this message doesn't that sound holy when god does that to me i'm just so honest. i love saying that yes i was woken up in the middle of the night by a vision <laughs> i haven't got a vision very often or hardly at all but god did drop into my spirit this the disciples, and when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, do you know what he said? I didn't, I didn't read it the first time. He said this, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they're going to hear parables so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. I don't think that belonged in there when I first read it. And then he goes on to explain the parable. It's like, Jesus, you're, you're withholding from people. Your little special people get this and everybody else gets nothing. That is exactly the opposite of what happened. Jesus set them up. 
Let's go back to that crowd that came 60, 80 miles, and they think they're going to get fed. They think they're going to get a message. They're going to hear from Jesus. It's going to totally rock their world, change their life, and he leaves them with this huge mystery, question mark, 80 miles back home. What the heck did he mean? I went all that way to learn how to farm. I don't think that's what he meant, Bill. I think so, Donna. I, sorry, Bill and Donna. And I think that, that, you know, I can just hear Bill and Donna, you know, Donna, you have to encourage him every now and then. Yeah, and she's Donna, yeah. And, and so you can just hear the families. What the heck? The teenagers, the, the young kids. Mommy, what did Jesus mean? I have no idea, son. And I hate to tell you that because it hurts my little heart. I don't have an answer for you. I don't. And so for how long did they brood over that? Yeah, I remember the time I met Jesus once. What was that like? Really disappointing. He wrecked my world. I have not found the answer to this question for the last two years. But my Bible says in Matthew, Mark, and Luke that those boys wrote a book that had the answer in it. And they sent it to all the churches. And all people had to do was step inside a church. The revelation hit him. I've been wanting to know what he meant by that for two years. And Jesus says this, to all of you, I have given you the answer to this secret. So how are people going to find out the answer if we don't tell them? And don't bring them into church where Jesus speaks to their heart and speaks to the mystery of life. What is the meaning of life? What's the mystery in and he begins to reveal secrets to people's hearts in the house of God. As he gives you a heart hug, knowledge and wisdom begin to come flooding into your soul. And you go, oh, now I get it. The mystery revealed, Christ is in me, the hope of glory. This is glorious. God loves me. He forgives me. He accepts me. When I took my hands out of my ears, I heard him affirm my life and love on my life and forgive me. And accept me. And it's okay not to be okay in the house of the Lord. Because he's speaking love messages to all of us. And I want to encourage you. He wrote you the beautiful 66 love letters you can ever find in your life. Right here. I love my Bible because it's my love letter from Jesus. And it has an impact. Hear it? It's awesome. I'll use anything, Lord. Become all things to all men that we might win some. Here's the other kicker. The enemy doesn't want you to know this, but hard paths aren't as wide as you think they are. That path through that field was maybe this wide. And the enemy wants you to think it's this wide. Good soil, a good life is only inches away from anybody in this world. I mean, there are only seven degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon. But you aren't even one separation away from Jesus. He is so close. You turn towards him, he will run towards you and be right there. Life, a good life, an abundant life, is no matter how hard your heart is, it's the most amazing thing. That as you begin to even think about Jesus, the path just gets narrower and narrower until you're just standing, barely hanging on to your hardness, and finally you go, oh, that was easy. That was wonderful. Oh my gosh. Jesus is not far away from anybody you know. Especially when you're there. 
because you're good soil and you're only inches away from everybody you know. And they're going to be discouraged, helpless, hopeless, and you're going to be able to say to them, do you know how close you are to joy and peace and rest and abundance? No. It's been a mystery to me. I've been trying. I've been going after this. I've been going after that. Nothing fulfills me. It's just inches away, but you're going after the wrong thing. If you could just yield ownership of your life to hear Jesus, you will gladly turn the wheels of your life over to him. Because he's got an internal GPS. He's got an unlimited credit card for gas. He actually can upgrade your car. He knows your love language. And mine's cars. Anyway, has life been hard on you? Has it been a hard path? The hard paths through the field were narrow. Remember, good soil is only inches away if your life is in a hard place. Many times people walking on that path would not only trample the seeds, but the neat thing is many times people would kick the seeds onto the good soil. Sometimes getting knocked around is a good thing because it knocks us off our hard, proud course. A course that is leading to destruction. God can and will use others or circumstances to open up the eyes of your understanding or ears to hear. And it will change your trajectory for the rest of your life. You want to listen to Jesus, believe me. It will change your trajectory in a beautiful way for the rest of your life. It'll change your children's trajectory. It'll change your grandchildren's trajectory. It'll change your neighborhood's trajectory. It'll change your workplace trajectory. It will change your school's trajectory. It will change everything you're close to in a trajectory towards Jesus. And I'm telling you, he's abundant life. I have only when I was hard, never regretted saying yes to Jesus and keeping my big ears wide open to him. I can honestly say that when I would wait on the Lord, every vocational choice I made turned golden. Man, you're good, Ralph. No. God can take any of us on a golden path. And he is going to and will if you just open your heart. <laughs> Good soil's only inches away. The devil loves when you get isolated and separated because life is harder there. The longer you stay there, the colder and harder things get in your heart. And that path is narrow. And all the soil on either side of you. But the longer you stay away from God, the longer you stay away from listening to your Bible, from reading, I would encourage every born-again Christian to read as much of your Bible as you can, pray as much to Jesus as you can, fellowship as much as you can. Because it'll keep you warm when the tendency is for your heart to go cold. You know, life is a river, and when you quit swimming, you go downhill. Life is an exercise gym. You can work for four years. The minute you stop lifting, they say you can sustain that strength for a whole 72 hours. And then your body starts to lose strength. This is as in the natural, so in the spiritual. Church, fellowship, reading your Bible, praying makes you warmer, stronger, softer, humbler, 
better, more joyful, more peaceful, more good life, good soil. Remember good soil when you're feeling hard-hearted. Good soil is only inches away where you will find rest for your soul, water for your thirsty heart, nutrients, which is affirmation, love, forgiveness, acceptance, a fresh new start. Security, safety, righteousness, peace, and joy because of the Holy Spirit in your life. The Lord inhabits the praises of his people, so when you're here, you're getting God hugs. I'd like the band to come and sing our banner song for this season. Let's raise a hallelujah and soften our hearts towards God. God is obviously speaking to your hearts. So first let me say to anyone who is hearing this good news of Jesus for maybe the first time or maybe the 100th time but you never wanted to hear it, but now you're hearing it for the first time and you're starting to understand what the gospel of Jesus is kind of all about based on what I've said to you so far. If you're that person and you'd like to get to know this Jesus, I want to pray with you. And I'd like everybody to stand at this time. Can we stand with these folks and stand with them? And would you just let me pray for you? Put your hand on your heart. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you're opening up the eyes of our understanding. You're opening up our hearts to hear a love message, a good message, a, a dynamic message. Father, you, we're, we're beginning to see you for the first time, understand you for the first time. And God, maybe I've turned my back on you and I know who you are. Jesus, I just... I want to roll off this narrow, hard place of my life, and I want to just let you take me, God. Forgive me for being in a hard place that I've made for my own self. Forgive those people or the life experiences, God, that have brutalized me. Father, I ask for you to give me healing in my heart that I might forgive and walk away from this poison that I hear in my head day and night. God, I, I want to be free from this thing. Jesus, save me. Soften my heart. Let the word of God begin to grow in my heart more and more in the days ahead. In Jesus' name we say, amen. If you, if you had that prayer just start to hit your heart, you've never done it before, you're turning back to Jesus, I'd like you to take one of those connect cards. Jesus said, confess with your lips. Believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. So confessing with your lips here today is just fill out on a connect card that you made a decision or you want to start a journey or you return. Whatever happened today, put it on that card and take it to the Welcome Center for us and for you. Now for everybody else, I'd like to pray to have Jesus help you if you've been hurt. If you're on the brink of hardening your heart or you're in the middle of a season of hardening your heart, there's people have done you wrong, life has done you wrong, maybe you just got tired of not being in control and you've been trying to take control back of your money, your job, your life, your relationships, and God's saying, how's that working out for you, being in charge of your own life? And if you stop long enough, you'll realize you are way lost on a bad road. If that's any of us, and it could be me at any time of the year, I want to pray with you. I want to pray that God begins to soften your heart, but more than that, that you'd be open to Jesus to hear from him today, that you'd receive his love, his message, his forgiveness, his acceptance, 
He loves you just the way he made you. He did you on purpose, make you such. So he's proud of his work and he loves you. And it doesn't matter how much you wad up a thousand dollar bill and step on it and pour dirt on it and singe its little edges, it's still worth a thousand dollars. And your life may have sullied you and beaten you up and you feel ugly, but to God, you're still worth a thousand bucks. Know your Savior loves you and has redeemed you and he wants to give you a life and that more abundantly, but begin to seek him first above everything. And he will add everything to your life in Jesus' name. Bless you. We're going to go ahead and sing as the Spirit leads our worship team. But I don't want anybody to leave that feels like you haven't really been prayed for about something. Maybe we didn't touch on it specifically. We have an awesome prayer team that loves you back there. Just go tell them to pray for you in whatever way you want them to pray. So as we sing, I want you to have permission to just go back to them and be prayed for. Bless you in the name of Jesus. Sophia, I'm going to ask you to close when you're done singing.
place this week, that we carry our hallelujah wherever our feet may walk, that we carry it and we remember where we're anchored and who goes before Jesus, whether it's hard or whether it's not. You're with us. You go before and we're thankful, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you back here next Sunday.